It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. A part of my identity is being an adoptee, being separated at birth from my original family and placed into foster care for two years before being adopted has significantly impacted how I see my place in the world. After connecting with the adoption community over a decade ago, I recognized the added value adoptees bring to a conversation about adoption. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest self-published her memoir in 2021, and I enjoyed each chapter. Her name in public spaces is Emma Stevens, and her book is titled The Gathering Place, an Adoptee's Story. She happens to have a dear friend in Tulsa, Oklahoma, Loray Gerald, the adopted chameleon, who can be heard on this podcast, Season 2, Episode 29. They both reached out to me for a conversation which made me feel seen. I sense their genuine support and appreciation every time we engage with one another. On this episode, Emma shares a part of her adoption journey, getting it out of her head and ultimately out into the world in book form so that others may feel less alone. She is vulnerable about her trials and tribulations in the hopes that another adoptee will learn what tools worked for her. Emma is a U.S. domestic adoptee from birth and has survived layers of trauma that have put her on multiple journeys. She developed the inner strength and courage to surmount the many struggles she faced. Allow me to introduce you to someone whose journey of solving the Rubik's Cube to her adoption story started over three decades ago when she made the decision to search for her original family. Hi, Emma. How are you doing today? Hi, Jennifer. I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing good, too. Yeah. We woke up this morning, and we're glad to be here. So it's a blessing. Yes, it is. I'm so happy to hear your voice again. Yeah. <laughs> you have we've... a very distinctive voice. Yeah, I've been told that. I, mean, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> so thank it you. It is, definitely. It's a very soothing voice. <laughs> well, thank you. So I had a chance to get your book between the time we last talked and today. And I remember being so excited, opening it up and seeing the cover. It's a lovely cover, The Gathering Place, an adoptee's story. And you use the pen name Emma Stevens. And I have to tell you that I think it's so courageous for adoptees to share their stories, our stories publicly. And so you did that and you um, did an amazing job. I loved the flow. I think your style, the structure, it's really well done. So I want to first say that. And just to go back briefly, I read anywhere between five to six books at a time. And when yours came in the mail from Amazon, I put everything else down and I finished (laughs) it. And I'm so glad I did because now I think that this conversation will be perhaps even more richer because I I just really feel like I was sitting with you over the last few days. 
So I know that um, there's a lot in your story. I like how you embrace the parts of yourself, the inner child or in, inner children. And mm-hmm. um, by any means necessary, I'm going to title that for when you got your records from the adoption agency. <laughs> and then um, the harmful therapy experience. I was so glad you shared that. I just recently found a therapist here in Tennessee, and I'm so excited. And it made me pause because we do have to be mindful that all therapy might not be best. Absolutely. Yeah. And then recovery from addiction. And I love the word reciprocity. That's been on my Mm. mind too lately. And Mm -hmm. life wants life. So I think we'll start there with your book and how you came to pull it together. Wow. Wow. That was just beautiful. (laughs) Jennifer, thank you so much for all of that. I feel like we all have a story to tell. And it is no joke that you have to be pretty vulnerable to put it out there. As you know, you've put your own book out there. And sometimes you have to be prepared that not everyone's going to love it. The way you just gave me a glowing review, it's not going to happen all the time. And as an author, you, you have to be aware of that, that that might come. And, you know, be accepting of that as well, that it's just a full, complete spectrum of, of uh, it's going to land with some people and other people it might not so much. The reason I did choose to go with a pseudonym, Emma Stevens, is that it was a way that I could use my voice and tell my story because it was, I tell you, in my soul. It was like a train that I couldn't stop. It was just writing itself. I had to get it out. And I didn't want to tell my story, but yet help uh, hurt my family is really what it comes down to. And I made a choice, um, and it's not hiding. I made a choice not to go there with my elderly parents because there's no time to be able to repair that relationship if they were to find out. It was just a choice I made that it was a way I could speak, but yet it wouldn't hurt them at the same time. And I've heard a lot of authors say, oh, yes, I know, that resonates with me. That's why I waited for them to pass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now I'm 60. And (laughs) in a certain way, I feel like I'm just now starting my life. And I want to make the most of all my time and to be authentically me. It was just something I had to do um, just for me alone, but yet still protect my family. And all the people that are in the book, all the names have been changed. The dates have been changed. And it was just a way really to protect everyone. So that's kind of why I used a pseudonym. The other part I'm trying to remember, you had asked me, well, you said life wants life. And I think you're wondering maybe what that meant to me. And it's just something that I try to keep in my head every day. Whenever I might sink into, as an adoptee, we have a tendency to let that adoptee angst cover us and be the dark cloud that you know, is maybe still covering our lives. And I've chosen to try to break free of that and go through to the other side and remember that it's a miracle that we're all here. Right. Yeah. And that I wouldn't be here because, you know, life is a relationship between everything, atoms, molecules, it all takes relationship. And it wanted me to be here. And I try to remember that as well as a quote by Brene Brown, she says, no one belongs here more than you. 
And I thought, wow, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'm going to let that soak in, sink <laughs> in, right. and actively, you know, feel it throughout my body. Mm-hmm. And it seems to work most of the times. It brings me out of that maybe sometimes tendency to, uh, you know, feel the dark cloud going over my head. And the whole book is just really kind of reconciling a lot of those, that adoption angst and how adoption has colored my life, how I've always felt other than or an alien just falling from the sky. Or here's a theme that you can probably re- relate to since you read the book, but I talk about a Rubik's Cube mm-hmm. and how I feel like from my birth, I was giving, given this Rubik's Cube a puzzle, right? A, a frustrating puzzle that no one really ever you know, maybe I, maybe there's been a few people that have won the puzzle, but it's just frustration and a convoluted mess of trying to figure your life out. And that's been mine to figure out throughout this adoption experience. And yeah. it's just colored my whole life from experience to experience. Yeah. One of my favorite chapters. Do you call them chapters? Well, you know, here's a mistake I made is I let the formatter not put chapter numbers on chapter. And if I had one thing to go back and change, it would be, you know, put chapter one, chapter two. It just makes it easier when you're trying to identify. Yeah, I know at the the beginning, it, it does list by number, I think, the um, chapters, but I like the format. I I really do. And one of my favorite chapters is the guest of honor. And oh, yeah, that. I just sat with that chapter. I think I read it a couple of times and I read it to another adoptee yesterday and we just sat with your words. It's um, oh. so beautifully written to express oh. that part of yourself, uh, baby girl, Richford. Yeah, definitely a healing chapter to write that. And I'm going to give a shout out to Anne Heffron, mm-hmm. who we batted it back and forth of, you know, I've got this part and how am I going to let this part show up? And we talked about it and I said, well, she said, what if you write it in italic? And I thought that's brilliant because that kind of sounds like a whisper mm-hmm. if you read it. So she really helped me flush out that, flesh that out. And I think it, it really landed well with me too. It's a very healing experience. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was very powerfully done. And when I think of Tabitha and Lauren and Kate and Mia and Justice, I yeah. I just smile at how you greeted them in the book as the parts of yourself uh, under the oak tree, the swing. It, I just really felt that. And it, it was a very warm feeling. And Justice, uh, 12-year-old, 11 or 12-year-old Justice, yeah. reminded me of my inner child who's 12 mm-hmm. And I gave her the, my birth name, Bonnie, and I just sat with justice because I often sit with my inner child. And so mm-hmm. that, that was also very well done. And I was just wondering, how did you come up with those names? Uh, I think they just landed well in my soul. Justice obviously has a symbolism to justice mm-hmm. because justice is always trying to make a, a wrong, a right. And she's the one that is holding this Rubik's Cube throughout her life going, what is this? And someone needs to help me with this. And the others would be more like, oh, I've got to figure it out on my own. I can't ask anyone. You know, but justice is always like looking at things very clearly and saying, "Uh uh-uh, there's something wrong with this. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how my Bonnie is. 
at 12. She's, yeah. Yeah. And she wants to play a lot. So I do a lot of things from my childhood now uh, because it feels like I'm having a relationship with her. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm making friends with all these parts yes and instead of going oh my gosh it was that part wasn't part of me no they all belong it's all you and maybe we need to clean up and decide how we want to show up in certain places but yet they're all us and we need to be welcoming mm-hmm. yes i don't think i've ever read a book a memoir by an adoptee that has addressed that and i think that's really important So I know when we had a chance to talk prior to now, you had mentioned something that has really stuck with me, and it has to do with the 12-step program and how you applied it to adoption. And so I was hoping Mm -hmm. you could maybe just explain just a little bit about the 12-step program and then how you were able to do that. Well, I guess I need to start with if I hadn't had something in my life to bring me to my knees and have a reason to make everything just fall apart. I'm not sure. I'd probably still be chugging along with trying to make this work, trying to make that work, and kind of living in my false self. And I say this kind of not as a joke. I kind of really mean it. I'm glad I became an alcoholic because it was my thing that brought me to my knees, and it brought me to dismantling and just tearing everything apart to be able to put it back together in a better way and try to find my true self. And through this 12-step program, I was able to look at myself, make amends to others, make amends to myself. And all of those are, you know, first step is to admit you have a problem. (laughs) And that's hard. That's some people can't even get past step one. And then, you know, step two, step three, and then you go all the way to step 12, which is giving back to others what was so freely given to you. And I love being in that place of meditating about how I want to show up and how I want to give back to others. I love my adoptee community so much. The things that I was looking for in my birth family or anyone else in my life, really, I didn't find until I found my adoptee community. Those are my like-minded people. I didn't have anything really in common with my birth parents. And I don't really have a lot in common with my adoptive parents. So I've always felt like this outlier. (laughs) Okay, so now I'll talk about how I I put it through the lens of adoption, the 12-step program. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, the 12-step program, you could do anything. It doesn't have to be a big, huge problem like alcoholism. It could be you know, a situation you're having with a remodel on your house, or it could be what I did with adoption of went through the 12 steps of looking at adoption, breaking it down, looking at what my part in the program was, looking at amends to others, acceptance. That was a huge one. Mm. Acceptance that I was adopted. I was relinquished. Owning what's mine, but then not owning everything under the sun. That overdeveloped sense of responsibility seems to be a common theme with adoptees. So that 12-step program helped me kind of walk myself through getting to a better place and not letting it control my life. I manage it now, but it's not in control of me. It's not running my bus anymore, and neither is my false self. I try very hard to remain honest, true, and 
and willing to look at my reality instead of being resistant. Mm -hmm. So when did you first become a part of the adoption community? I would say, again, six years ago. Even though I found my natural parents, my birth parents, 35 years ago, I was still, as we say, or at least for me, I was in the fog. I was out on a quest, a mission, but I didn't truly understand the depth of what I was doing. It was only six years ago when I fell to my knees, admitting that I was an alcoholic and that I wanted to change. At that point, everything became, I was redefining everything from who I was, how I want to show up, what I feel about adoption. And in that moment, there's got to be groups out there that I could connect with. And sure enough, you get on Facebook and you can find a group for just about anything. Mm -hmm. And it just started growing. I made relationships. And then I found adoptees that are also here in Tulsa. The adopted chameleon is someone that I'm very close with. Yeah. And it just was terrific to find community. The community is pretty awesome. It's one of the best tools to navigate our experience as adoptees and just learn and lean into healing. I think we do that when we when we get together and when we get to talk and meet each other and learn each other's stories. And, and that we're not alone. We yeah. always thought, you know, I'm sure you did too, thought, okay, I'm the only one out here. But that's not true. We're, we weren't so unique because I hear other people telling maybe not my exact story, but oh man, it just lines up. Right. Yeah. So now that you're on the other side of writing your book, publishing it, Mm -hmm. how do you share your story publicly without giving away your book? Have you figured that out? It took me a while to figure that out. Uh, Honestly, uh, I haven't even thought about that. (laughs) I really haven't. I don't know if I feel like I could say everything that's in there and someone would feel like, okay, well, I don't need to read the book now. I haven't had that thought. So why don't you share your story with this? Okay. Any part in particular other than, I guess I could tell you how it started out. My memory of first being told I was adopted. Yeah. Um, Wherever you want to start, however much you want to share. There's a word out there that I've heard through adoptee land and it's called saudad. Have you heard of that Portuguese word that there's no translation for in English, but it basically means a melancholy or a longing for something you can't put your finger on. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt ever since I've had consciousness. And I was told at probably three years old and I cried and I cried because I was saying I was so sad for my birth mother. She must miss me so much. She must wonder where I am. And I'd like to tell her I'm okay. But that immediately set in motion parents that they were infertile. And I, my brother and I were to be the replacement biological children. Uh, We weren't to be ourselves. We were always to conform to who they wanted us to be. And that was a real hard role to play for the majority of my life, making me feel like I'm not enough. The real me isn't good enough. So I did a lot of adapting Mm. and changing and conforming and which led me to bad choices in my life. And that's why I say in my book that it colored my entire life because I was 
building my life on these assumptions that weren't even accurate. I wasn't who they wanted me to be, and I couldn't ever be that. So I felt like things just weren't lining up in my my whole system. My body just didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Mm. Yeah. Kind of carried on into college and then marrying, after college, marrying a man that I chose for unrealistic reasons. He was to be my savior, I think. He'd be my guru. I don't know. There's a lot of things. He was kind of smoke and mirrors, the type of person that presents himself as one thing, but actually does another. And one of my problems about being such an adaptive adoptee is that I chose people out of fantasy. That was a big theme throughout my book of where, you know, I talk about, I want Bewitched, want Samantha from Bewitched to be my natural mother. Mm -hmm. I lived my life in fantasy of choosing a career like advertising, which is totally fake. I'm sorry, <laughs> most often it is. <laughs> You're buying something that doesn't really exist. And I chose things in my, my life based on that until I figured it out. Mm. Now my relationships are based on honesty and trust and maybe not so glitzy. And I always chose the shiny thing instead of what was honest and true. Mm. You clearly have navigated... Um, your evolution for three decades, over three decades. And there's so much I'm sure you've learned. And what guidance would you give someone now, like an adoptee that wants mm -hmm. to search and be in reunion? Do you have anything specifically you would would really want them to know? Yeah, the first thing I would say is definitely look into counseling. And before you get into counseling, I would recommend looking at the um, board of ethics to make sure there's no any, you know, any reason that you shouldn't go see this therapist, that they're under any kind of legal action or they're not rated very well. Make sure that they have your best interest at heart, because I think especially as adoptees that we can be looking for someone to be the mother that we never had. Some of us feel that way. And some of the therapists out there really eat that kind of thing up. And if you choose the wrong one, they could really take advantage of you. And in my book, I explain how that happened to me. And it was almost like a cult situation of where it's a little bit of a brainwash where they strip you of your defenses and you latch on and attach. You know, we have these attachment issues as adoptees too. And if you attach to the wrong person, and they don't have your best interest at heart, that can cause you a lot of harm. So while I am a big proponent of counseling, at the same time, oh, please make sure you're with an honest and true person. Because people are people wherever you go, <laughs> right, Jennifer? Yeah. It's, there's no guarantee just because they have a credential and a badge or whatever, you, you need to make sure you're with a safe person. Yeah, that's well said, and I'm glad you shared that. So Emma, as a published author, when did you realize your talent as a writer? Oh, this is interesting. I hadn't ever thought about that until I had this memory of, in the book, you'll see that there's not a great relationship or, I mean, I love my parents, but it's complicated. There was a lot of abuse in my household growing up and I wasn't allowed to have boundaries or needs or be myself. 
I remember laboring over pen and paper, trying to express a feeling and putting it out on paper. And I really, truly believe that's when it began. Hmm. I guess we can wrap it up. Is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? Thank you, Jennifer, for asking. I would like to alert anyone that's in the Midwest, maybe Dallas, Denver, Kansas City, Fayetteville, Arkansas, anywhere around Tulsa, Oklahoma, Adopted Chameleon and I are bringing the documentary that was done by Rebecca Autumn Sansom, and it's called Reckoning with the Primal Wound, and it includes Nancy Verrier, has many cameo spots throughout the documentary, and it's truly a beautiful expression of the adoptee and adoptee's experience. And I think it will resonate with many, but we're bringing it for its first movie screen showing in Tulsa, Oklahoma on May 15th at five o'clock at the Circle Cinema. And we are going to be publishing or putting it on social media about how you can buy your ticket, pre-advanced ticket. There's going to be a Q&A afterwards with Rebecca Sampson, and it's just going to be great. So I just wanted to let anyone know that's in the area to please come to Tulsa on May 15th. May 15th. Yes. Very, very nice. I know the poem at the back of your book, I Am Me, I asked if you would gift us with reading it. And I think you said yes. (laughs) I did say yes. And what's kind of amazing to me is as I look at this poem now, I wrote it a good three years before I wrote the book. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it follows suit with the book. And I didn't mean it to coincide, you know, line up with the book, but I really do think it does. Yes. All right. So it's called I Am Me, Dear Adoption. My name was Baby Girl Ridgefort. The meaning is dweller of the stronghold. Adoption tried to claim me, relinquishing me forever to the unknown, coloring my world dark with a primal wound. Society says you must feel grateful. After all, weren't you deemed unlovable, unwanted? So I wore the impossibly heavy cloak of denial of self, exacerbated by my adoptive parents' need to shred my spirit in hopes of birthing their own creation. Me sitting at the family dark hardwood table, dissociating, fragmenting, but God gave me a tenacious spirit, one of resilience and perseverance, enough to eventually find my ghost mother, and enough to prove I was born. Alas, no cosmic connection with my natural parents transpired. Soon a distraction was needed, too much pain, needed to numb the emotions. My addiction was practically my end, and then my end became my beautiful beginning, slowly taking back my peace of mind, slowly putting the pieces of my true self together, little by little, day by day, one step at a time. I now choose life, no longer allowing adoption or anything else define me or deny me. I am me. And that was written December 10th, 2018. Beautiful. I'm so glad you included that in your book and that you read it here today. I really enjoyed this time together, and I highly recommend The Gathering Place, an adoptee story by Emma Stevens. I'll include that in the show notes. And if there's anything else you want me to put in there, please let me know. 
I just really appreciate you taking this time to have this conversation. Oh, Jennifer, it's just been a pleasure so much. Like I said, you have the most soothing voice and I could just come over and have tea with you (laughs) and it'd be great. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I hope we've piqued your interest in reading and or listening to The Gathering Place, an adoptee story written by Emma Stevens. I read it in a few days, not only to be prepared for a chat with Emma, but because it's full of encouragement, adventure, sorrow, and joy. I felt every sort of emotion that resonates with me in my adoption journey, and that's real life. She bears her soul through each page. I'm particularly happy to know that adoptees aren't hiding when it comes to publicly sharing their lived experience. We are finding ways to honor our voice through our writing without causing harm to those we love by using a pseudonym and or changing all the characters' names to preserve their identity. Adoption is often complicated and complex for a lifetime. As adoptees, we shouldn't have to wait until family members die or transition before we speak aloud what has happened to us. Emma's traumas were born from being an adoptee who struggled with being forced to wear an impossible mask of playing the part of the good adopted child. Because being relinquished and adopted has colored her life, it's Emma's desire to be a part of the movement that is dedicated to helping bring forth change to the way our world views the needs and support of adopted individuals. She believes strongly in adoptees finding their voice and discovering their truth to have a solid sense of self and to reclaim their identities. Through telling her story, Emma is dedicated to help redefine the narrative of adoption to include the entire complex truth. Thank you, Emma, for reaching out to me to have this conversation. I enjoy your perspective and your willingness to share how you've been able to transform your life in so many ways. It's inspiring and helpful to learn what tools have worked well for others. I believe we are all teachers and students at various times throughout our lives. And as an Enneagram 5 on the personality test, I'm always up for learning something new, especially from someone like you. Last but not least, save the date, Sunday, May 15, 2022, 5 p.m. at the Circle Cinema in Tulsa, Oklahoma for the first movie screen showing of the documentary Reckoning with the Primal Wound by Rebecca Autumn Sansom. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. Remember to share this podcast on social media to spread the word, hashtag AdopteeLand. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash AdopteeLand. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement, and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community. Thank you so much for being here.